Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cricket Badger Podcast with Cricket 365. The Cricket World Cup 2019. Afghanistan. Australia. Bangladesh. England. India. New Zealand. Pakistan. South Africa. Sri Lanka. West Indies. Let's pick the bones out of this tournament. With your host James Butler, Cricket 365 Zoli Fisher, and journalist Akash Shiva Subramaniam. Hello everybody, welcome to the week four of the World Cup Cricket Badger podcast. Our weekly show looking back at everything that's gone before and looking ahead to everything that's about to come. It's exciting stuff. We've just seen New Zealand get across the line against South Africa and arguably the one close finish that we've had so far in the tournament. A really exciting game there at Edgebaston. Plenty to talk about this week. It's actually quite difficult to know where to start. I'll tell you what, we'll say hello to the guests. As usual, it's Ollie and Akash joining me. We'll start with Akash this week. Akash, are you OK? I'm fine. I'm pretty good with all the all my predictions except the last one. So it's, it's been a good week. South Africa have done you proud, haven't they, in this World Cup? <laughs> Certainly not, but I guess they'll learn the lessons and uh, I mean they have to. Come on to it a little bit more in a minute, but it must be quite difficult for the coaching staff and the admin guys in that South African team hotel. It's a long tournament, isn't it? When you're playing badly and even when you play well like today, you don't get across the line. Keeping morale up must be quite difficult in that camp now. Yes, certainly. I think it's, it, 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 it must be very difficult for them. It, it's already a long tournament and with losses, it, it makes it look more longer or feels more longer for them. So there are some lessons to learn and uh, it's a high time that they start uh, working on those stuff. 
And our resident boo boy is Ollie. How are you, Ollie? Yeah, good. My voice has just about recovered from all the booing on Saturday. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 very good. It's been been another exciting week, and and yeah, I'm pretty happy with how things have gone in terms of my predictions as well. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Did you enjoy the game? Then was it a good atmosphere there? And despite your booing, was it well worth going to? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's always great to get to a World Cup game, and and there's a, there's sort of a charm as well about going to a game where you're not particularly invested in either side. We were surrounded by quite a lot of Sri Lankan fans, so we were we were sort of rooting for them, but then. Obviously, when you see an innings like the Finch one, which we'll probably come on to, you, you can't help but stand and admire what, you, what you're watching. And it was a really good setup. You know, the Oval's a fantastic ground, the perfect place to hold a World Cup game. And yeah, it was, it was nice to get to one. And I'm looking forward to Friday at Headingley. We're going to break with tradition this week because we're going to bring the champagne moment forward to the start of our chat because there has been some fantastic performances this week. We'll start off with the one I'm going to vote for in terms of Owen Morgan. What a tremendous innings that was from the England captain. 148, he just came in. I think he was one off seven at the start of his innings and then had a free hit, launched that for six and never looked back. 17 sixes for Owen Morgan. It's a world record in any form of international cricket, not just ODIs, but T20 and Test Match cricket in one innings. It's good to see, from an England point of view, not only England playing quite well, Ollie, but also the England captain actually contributing as well. Because how many tournaments do you see a captain going into? He's not in the best of form. His place is being debated and he's having to still captain the side. I mean, Morgan must be on the crest of a wave now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we all knew he had it in his locker to, to produce an explosive innings like that, but I don't think we expected it to the extent that we saw it yesterday. Um, yeah, like you say, 17 sixes. The records tumbled for England uh, in general, but, but for Morgan as well, uh, the most sixes in ODI innings ever, uh, which is absolutely mental. But in terms of what that will do for his confidence, it'll be absolutely huge because I think as a captain, especially in a major tournament like this, you always want to lead by example. You want to show the rest of the team that you know, you're know you the leader, that you're going to contribute just as much as anybody else and um, hopefully sort of help your team along to, to getting hands on that trophy uh, in the middle of next month. And the England physio was wonders, isn't it? Whatever he did to Owen Morgan's back, because probably 48 hours ahead of the game, people were expecting him not to play. So he, he not only got him on the field, but he got him flexible enough to, to walk that bat and smash the ball into the crowd. Back spasms are not, are not very nice. Um, I know a few people who've suffered with them, and they tend to say it can take sort of a week, two weeks to get it back to normal. Obviously, physio helps, and, and having some of the best physio, no doubt, in the country, some of the best sports physios in in the country will have helped him without a doubt and of course he, he'll, he'll have been running on adrenaline a bit as well going out there and, and just sort of showing everybody in, in the face of adversity what he's capable of a bit like Michael Jordan's flu game for those of you who are familiar with basketball yeah it was it was absolutely incredible uh, full credit to full credit to the physio but full credit to Owen for that because it, it was special it'll go down as one of the great World Cup innings Akash the England captain phenomenal hitting 1760s in one innings in an ODI yeah, the pressures of a home series as well, the crowd expecting, people expecting runs and expecting sixes in this tournament. To, to go out there and do it like he did. And it wasn't slogging, was it? It was proper one-day power hitting. It was superb to see. Yeah, first off, I think a really good or a well-done job by the physio. And they must have been really scared to have seen uh, his back, not back injuries flaring up. And uh, with games against Sri Lanka and Australia coming up, I think they would have been worried about him in the, him playing this game. But uh, all said and done, uh, I think his innings was great. He had sixes all over the park. And I think it was like 
watching uh, somebody play on PlayStation. It was that elegant and that uh, wonderful. I was on commentary duty um, during that match, so I watched every ball of the game. And I said, you know, even when I was a kid and I stood in front of my mirror, got my new bat for Christmas and was going the end of the old click sound as you hit the ball around your bedroom. Even I couldn't play like that in those situations. But Owen Morgan was doing that in the middle of Old Trafford. It was absolutely superb to see. And one of the points you just made there, the fact that when he initially felt his back, he's only human. He might have thought, oh, my goodness, that's my World Cup over. I've had all these dreams about lifting this trophy, the home World Cup and everything. For a second, even if it was a split second, my World Cup might be over. So the fact that he's back on the pitch so quickly... It's almost like a second chance. You wonder whether that freed him up a little bit, Akash, and made him relax and thinking, right, I'm going to enjoy this now. Oh, certainly, I think uh, he, he has made full use of the second opportunity that he's got. More importantly, I think uh, England needed uh, such an innings from him, knowing that, uh, okay, the middle order is now in this form. It, is, it makes him much more comfortable going into the later part of the tournament, knowing that the opening combinations now have to be, have to be changed now since uh, injuries have hit England as well. So it's certainly good for the management knowing that Morgan is in form and uh, for the tournament as well. We could see 17 sixes in just one inning. Yeah, absolutely superb from Owen Morgan. He, he gets my vote for champagne moment of the week. Are you in, in agreement with that one, Ollie? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. It was just, like Akash said, it was like watching a video game and it didn't actually feel real. And with every shot, you found yourself saying, wow. And that's, that's what the champagne moment's about. So it's got to be Owen. I think if I was going to pick a split second and actually call it a moment, it was when that 17th six put it into the foam boundary edge, put it into the O of dot .com and one of the, the advertising parts of that boundary yeah. edge. And it was almost like it hit the target. 17-6 is world record. Thank you very much, crowd. Akash, I know I spoke to you earlier on today and you weren't necessarily in agreement with that. You were going to go down a different route. I, I wasn't certainly in agreement uh, with this, but I think it was a close call for me or, as well with uh, Morgan or with Rohit Sharma. I, I guess I'll go with Rohit Sharma because that sixer, that square cut reminded me of the Tendulkar. And it's not necessarily that uh, the Shoy Bakhtar who was bowling to Rohit Sharma, but still that shot was genuinely pure class from Rohit Sharma. So I think... That's where the edge goes over Morgan, but uh, certainly both of them played really well this week. Any other week, Akash, I'd give you it, but you're not having it this week. The England captain takes the champagne moment on the uh, Badger podcast. A superb innings from Owen Morgan. And let's hope we see more of the same as well from an English point of view. Just moving on, though, Akash, you, know, you mentioned Rohit Sharma there. His innings were superb. Ollie's already mentioned Darren Finch there. We've seen Shakib Alassane hit back-to-back centuries as well. There's not often in, in these major tournaments you get all of the big stars firing. And we seem to be getting into a situation now where... All of the A-listers, the Joe Root, even Virat Kohli, he hasn't got a century yet, but he's got two big 50s. All of the A-listers, all of the people that you're expecting, all of the people that we looked at in the, the top of the Paddy Power odds at the start of this tournament are starting to actually contribute to their side, aren't they? It's, it's, it's good to see that the, the stars have turned up and they're, they're taking it... I mean, I know they're going to take it seriously, but they're, they're performing. Certainly they've performed well and they've performed uh, to the expectations. Also, if you look at the pitches, I think... We would have expected it to be more juicy for the bowlers looking at English conditions in the past, but uh, it has not been quite so up till this point in the tournament. Uh, probably in the future, we might see a good balance between bat and ball, like the, one, like the game we just witnessed now. So probably that would make it more interesting than looking at batsmen bashing bowlers. Well, that leads me nicely, Akash. The Nasser Hussain tweet from a few moments ago, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday evening. 
um, after that New Zealand-South Africa game, New Zealand getting home in, a, in an absolute thriller. Kane Williamson showing his real class to the Kiwis today. But Nasser Hussain tweeted, Straw poll, which game has provided more entertainment? England versus Afghanistan with 33 sixes hit or lower scoring affair today at Edgebaston with more in it for the bowlers? Forget jingoistic loyalty or the room for both in the game. But he says, pick one. If you were going to have to watch one of those games over and over for the rest of your life, you'd probably get bored of it, but would you take England against Afghanistan? 397 plays 347. England winning by 150 runs, but the crowd straining their neck every second to see the maximums fly over into the boundary. Or would you take the game today at Edgebaston, where South Africa 241 for six on a pitch that had a little bit in it for the bowlers and the timing wasn't always easy for the batsmen, and then New Zealand getting home in the final over. Finish far more exciting. Which one would you go for, Ollie? I would much rather watch a game like today's, uh, the New Zealand-South Africa game, than, than I would a game where there is such a comfortable margin of victory, even though you know we've seen an, an innings like Owen Morgan's, which was absolutely outstanding and fantastic to watch as a spectacle. The game itself, from a competitive point of view, actually wasn't that great. It was it was like a net for some of the England batsmen. You know, Moeen Ali came in and mashed it about for a bit. You know, there was there was some really long partnerships in there as well. It just wasn't particularly challenging for the England batsmen. The only challenge to them was was seemingly how many records they could break. So I'd much I'd much rather a game that's an even contest throughout and sort of goes down into the last over. But I think the big difference between the two, obviously, you can have a high-scoring game that goes right down to the wire, and that's as entertaining as a low-scoring game that goes right down to the wire. The key is the margin of, of victory or defeat, whichever way you look at it. Obviously, arguably the best ODI ever is the 4-3-8 game, which was an absolutely thrilling finish, and that was that was batsmen thrashing it all over. So I don't think it's necessarily about high, how high the scores have got. It's, it's about how close the games are. But yeah, give me a close game any time. What about you, Akash? I agree with Oli on this one. I think I would go with the South Africa and the New Zealand game because just because there's a good balance between bat and ball, there was never a point where the batsmen looked like in form and they had to smash all the ball out of the park. And there was never a point where the bowlers looked like taking wickets every delivery. So there's constantly a question in, in each other's mind that whether the batsmen can get a edge over the bowlers or whether the bowlers can get an edge over the batsmen. And that's certainly what ODI has always been about. And uh, that, that's the interesting aspect for ODI. As, as Nasser Hussain says in his last line of his tweet, there is room for both in the game. And I think that's right, isn't it? You know, the game yesterday, terrific entertainment, followed by the game like today, you know, equally terrific entertainment, totally different games, but that's what cricket's all about, the contrast in styles and in the challenges that are faced by the cricketers, totally different, but that's what makes it interesting. And hopefully the World Cup will have plenty more of those to come. The Cricket Badger podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket365.com. Their ethos, we love cricket and want to make the world love it as much as we do. Join them at Cricket365.com. Thank you very much to them for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Let's um, have a quick run down the uh, World Cup table to see where we stand at the moment. New Zealand go back to the top after that uh, tight win inspired by Kane Williamson and Colin de Grantheim as well. Don't forget him. Tight bowling and a super 50 from him. But they go back to the top of the table after five games on nine points. Four wins and one no result. England and Australia are both together on eight points having played five. India 
having played a game less, four games are on seven points. And then it's Bangladesh on five, having played five. And then Sri Lanka and uh, West Indies on four and three, respectively, South Africa out of the competition, I think, now already after that defeat, having played six, they can only get to a maximum of four victories, which I don't think anybody will think will be enough to qualify for the semi-finals. And then bottom of the table at the moment, Pakistan on three points and Afghanistan yet to get off the mark. Let's start at the bottom of that table. My boys, Afghanistan. I've spoken a lot on the World Cup weeklies about my admiration for Afghanistan. You know, a superb story. They are the romantic dream of world cricket, how they've risen over the last 10 years from refugee camps to the world stage. Some terrific players as well. And I think even in that game, you know, it was incredibly one-sided, but they stuck to their task with the ball. Their heads didn't drop too far. And then they came out with the bat and with real gusto and a little bit of bravery at times to give it their best shot and to restore a little bit of respectability for that side. But there certainly seems to be at the moment some problems behind the scenes, I think, in that Afghan camp. There's a few stories coming out of the squad. One of the things that seems to highlight the malaise in the Afghan camp was uh, a tweet by Phil Simmons which he's subsequently taken off his Twitter feed but has been reproduced in a number of the newspapers around the world he says I am in the middle of a World Cup and trying to get our team to perform to the level we expect but at the end of the World Cup I will tell the Afghanistan people about the part that Mr. Dawat Hamadzai had to play in our preparation in his part in the dismissal of hashtag Afghar Afghan who was the captain of Afghanistan at one stage. So there's obviously something happened behind the scenes there. I'm a bit of a believer with this, that Afghanistan have come from nowhere. You know, ICC leagues coming through, getting promoted, 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 until they made the World League 20, and obviously now a Test Match Nation playing ODI cricket, and they're at the top table. But that transition has been so meteoric that not only have the players had to deal with that transition, but also the Afghan board and the infrastructure of that Afghanistan international side. It maybe lacks a little bit of experience or something like that. Coach Phil Simmons has got plenty of experience. He's worked for all sorts of different boards, so he knows how things should work. And he's obviously a little bit frustrated, Dakash, that it's not quite going to plan with Afghanistan. Yeah, I think they've taken wrong decisions at the wrong time, certainly. Um, they always have been the side which has, been, which has been explosive at the start and which has been more aggressive on the field that we've seen them perform against West Indies, Scotland and all the other sides. But coming into this World Cup, we, we see a more conservative approach. We see more, like a lot of times that they've not uh, quite been the, in like quite aggressive as they would have either uh, otherwise been in the past. And uh, I think there's something which is going on between the board and the, certainly the coach, as we've seen through the tweet, uh, that certain players have not featured in the playing level, while the others certainly have featured more than expected. What Phil Simmons seems to be suggesting, Ollie, is that external forces are kind of hampering his coaching of that Afghan side, which must be a frustration to him. It's all been a bit of a mess for them. You know, we were excited, excited to see them here on the biggest stage. And I think, as you alluded to, it's been a little bit of a lack of experience, um, both at board level and perhaps at coaching level also. I mean, I really look forward to what Phil has to say after the tournament because it sounds like he's going to go. He's certainly going um, to leave no stone unturned with what's happened. Um, and I think some of the stuff that comes out will be quite shocking. But it's been a bit of a train wreck of a tournament for them, really. I know I picked some them to finish bottom etc but you kind of don't envisage there being so many problems off the field it's a big occasion for them being in a, in a world cup over here and i just feel like you know it does come down to kind of if there were disagreements between the board and the coaching 
going into the tournament, you you have to get those ironed, ironed out before you go into it because it's only going to reflect badly on the field. And unfortunately, that's what we've seen. You know, there was there's reports that came out that the team were involved in a bust-up in a curry house before the game against England um, the night before the game. That clearly didn't really do them any good uh, on the field. You know, they got they got smacked all over the park and, and lost quite comfortably. It's just a number of things that haven't really gone for them. But like I said, I look forward to what comes out after the tournament. And what we don't want to see is that, that beautiful story. Books have been written about it. As I said right in the first instance of these podcasts, you know, Hollywood films could be made about the you know, transition and the rise of Afghan cricket. We don't want to see get political, get a bit messy and it all to unravel and them to you know, disappear off the world stage. Because I think they, they bring a lot of charm. Some of their players, they're a little bit naive at times. There's a lack of experience there. That will come with more and more games. And in four years' time, when this World Cup, Akash, is played in India, they will be four years more experienced, four years wiser, and be playing on pitches that are more conducive to how they play the game. Certainly, there would be more uh, experience by then, and uh, they would have learned their lessons. But I guess more than that, it, it, basically, they lacked experience coming into the tournament. They dropped or they sent back some of their key players through injuries and uh, all these tough batting and uh, certainly their bowling. So there's not a leader on field that you could see, which they had uh, during the qualifiers. You could see Asghar Afghan really being the leader and being the talking point of the side uh, in the qualifiers. And then him missing out on not only a spot, but also on his captaincy just before the tournament made it worse for them. It's no surprise to you guys that Afghanistan on the bottom of the table. They were your predictions to finish bottom of World Cup 2019. Next in the table at ninth, Pakistan. Now, Pakistan beat England. They could end up being the only team to beat England in this World Cup, fingers crossed, which would be a feather in their cap. But I um, have guested on a Pakistan podcast. I've been unfaithful to you guys. I've been on another one. And we talked about Pakistan cricket and the World Cup. Madly passionate they are about their team. And I was contacted again if I could come back on that podcast. And it was during the England game and I couldn't do it because I was working. And he contacted me today and said, oh, we didn't record it. The lads are just still shell-shocked about Pakistan's performances in the World Cup, really down about everything. We're going to wait until we perk up a little bit before we record the next one. They're taking it badly, the Pakistanis, Ollie. And it's, it's sad to see. Yeah, they're, they're a very, very proud cricketing nation with obviously a lot of history in, in the World Cup and in major tournaments. And we saw in the Champions Trophy what even you know a team that, that nobody really expects to do well can can do once they sort of get that momentum and, and they get going and a world cup is always better when when pakistan are competitive and when we see sort of very good games between when, between pakistan and, and their sort of traditional rivals especially india uh, but we just haven't really seen that from them of course the one game that they decided to show up and put in good performance with bat ball and field was against england and everyone was thinking oh hey oh, pakistan have woken up again we might might get another champions trophy style run out of them but it hasn't gone very well and i think you know like you just said there with with the guys who record the podcast it it will hurt them a lot because World Cups only come round once every four years and it is such a proud cricketing nation that they, they will always want to be competitive in them and they're not the second bottom and, and they will be going home after their ninth game. That's the bottom line of it but they've not been good enough. You know, we, We've highlighted the weaknesses with them before. The fielding has, in particular has been absolutely atrocious. The bowlers I think can hold their heads high to an extent but the, the batting again has been as flaky as we expected and yeah, it's just not been a very memorable World Cup for them. One of the good things about the Old Trafford day um, injury against Pakistan match itself a little bit disappointing it was very one-sided but to see the Pakistanis in the crowd sitting next to and enjoying themselves alongside the Indians to see the camaraderie between the Pakistan players at times and the Indian players on the pitch when halfway around the world 
there's all sorts of problems going on politically it's good to see that the two nations can sit side by side and enjoy themselves and that's what sport can give you isn't it yeah, absolutely. Um, my dad actually went to the game. He managed to get a ticket out of the 460,000 applicants or whatever they were. Uh, and he actually had a spare ticket, which I had to decline because I was working. So I'm a bit gutted about that. He could have got rid of that about 350 <laughs> times over, couldn't he? Well, yeah, he did, he, he did manage to get rid of it, but it was initially offered to me and I just I just couldn't do it because I was working, which was a massive shame because if I'd have had, if I'd have had a pick of the weekend games, it'd have obviously been that one. But yeah, he, said, he was sat amongst mostly Indians, but there were quite a few Pakistan fans who were, who were in there as well. And he, he described the atmosphere as, as very, very friendly, you know, not, not hostile in the slightest. Very passionate, very, very energetic, but, uh, but yeah, altogether friendly. And, and that's what it's all about, because obviously don't want to bring politics into it too much, but relations between the two countries off the field aren't, aren't too brilliant at the moment. Just to see an event like this on the biggest stage of all, where the, where the fans are, are interacting and, and, and having an amazing time regardless, of the one-sided nature of the result it's just what it's all about it's what it's all about and it's just a shame that india v pakistan is a fixture in the world cup it's certainly the last what is it six seven editions of the mm. world cup hasn't been a very interesting fixture um it's been very one-sided but in, in terms of a spectacle like you say with the color and with the noise it's absolutely fantastic Akash, precursor to your assessment on this is that you're of Indian heritage, so Pakistan listeners take it with a pinch of salt. But Akash, why are Pakistan so inconsistent? <laughs> well, that's a really tough question to answer because uh, at times we've seen Pakistan play the best cricket against, uh, for example, the game against England, where the batting looked impeccable. They 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 just ran through the English bowling order, and uh, the same batting against in, in against India did not perform well. So I don't know how it boils down to, where it boils down to, but uh, certainly a bright spot would be the bowling attack. And uh, Mohamed Amir was doubtful for the World Cup if like, they didn't select him in the initial 15, but later they realized that he's going to be handy in English conditions and uh, they did a good decision by including him. I, I saw a lot of criticism of uh, Safraz Ahmed, the captain, people saying that, you know, he, he didn't care he was yawning when he was on the pitch and, and various other things. And I looked at the causes of a yawn. And there's two causes of a yawn. One is that you're tired. And the other one is that you are stressed and anxious. And I would suggest that Safras was yawning on the pitch because basically the weight of the world was on his shoulders because he was trying to beat India for his nation. It wasn't going very well. And he was feeling the pressure a little bit. I, I think sometimes people are a little bit miscast in this because there was nobody on that Pakistan side that wasn't trying. The general thing is that they're just not as good as the Indian side, Akash. They certainly are not good, as good as the Indian side. And uh, I think... The only few sides in the world who are as good as the Indian side. But Pakistan on their day could have could have sung a surprise uh, if they did, did uh, hit the right lens in the initial overs after electing to bowl first. I think they certainly could have caused an upset. The bowlers did not start off well to start the game with. And uh, when you, after all, electing to bowl, you don't start the game as well as you expected. I think the game goes downhill and there's only one choice after that. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? 
Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Looking at the table, going further up, you've got the West Indies who, after playing so well against the Pakistanis, seem to have believed their own hype too much and have gone off the boil. Sri Lanka, I think, are inflated in the table because of two no results. I don't think they're that good a side and they've got two extra points on the board that they might not otherwise have got. But when we get up to the top five in this table, this now looks where the semi-finalists are going to come from. We've got a very important game um, tomorrow, actually, Australia against Bangladesh, which we'll obviously come on to our predictions for later on in the uh, podcast. But Bangladesh on six points, India on seven, Australia, England on eight piece, and New Zealand on nine. It would seem, Molly, that we're down to five for the last four. In a way, it's a shame that, you know, we're only sort of, for most teams, five games into the tournament, and it kind of looks like we've sort of got, you know, the the top five, like you say, battling for four places already, and it's a shame that there's not more teams involved in that. But it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with that with that fourth spot. I mean, at the moment, Bangladesh are two points out. India have a game in hand as well, so they could well be three points out. But full credit to them for still being in the mix at this point. I've been really, really impressed with them. And there's no reason why, if they, if they can string together another couple of wins in the next three games, you know, other teams are going to be looking over their shoulder. But if you were to ask me now, I would say that the top four will remain the same with New Zealand, England, Australia and India. And But, you know, things can change. England's last three games, for example, we play the teams around us, New Zealand, Australia, India. So that'll be a good litmus test for us and could could drop down to fourth, could drop down to fifth. We, we don't know what's going to happen. So there's still a lot to play for. But yeah, my gut says that that top four will stay the same. Australia have got a really difficult run in as well. They, they, their final three games, they finished against South Africa. But as we've seen today, South Africa aren't giving up the ghost. And you, know, you look down South Africa's team, they're capable of beating anybody still in this World Cup. And yeah, particularly if the pressure's off at the end of the World Cup, they might suddenly find form. Australia have got to play New Zealand too, and they've got to play England as well. That game against Bangladesh, if they don't win it, there's no guarantee that Australia can make the semi-finals for me, because I've not been massively convinced by Australia. I've got to say, yes, they've got fantastic players, Warner and Smith with the bat, Cummings and Stark with the ball, but around the 80s of that, if you take those four out of that side, it's a bit of a much of a much to me. They're missing in the spin department. Usman Khawaja has been well off the pace with the bat in the top order. I'm not convinced at all by Australia yet. And if they don't get past Bangladesh, they might end up slipping out of that top four for me, Akash. Well, uh, I wouldn't put it that way because let's look at it uh, from this perspective. So even if, even when they are not performing that well as we expect them to, they're still in the top four. So if they start performing much better in the later parts of the tournament, they might be the side to beat because they have the right bowling combinations. They have two spinners, but the spinners have not played well yet. And certainly on the day, both of them are capable of playing really well. And uh, Usman Kawaja has been the informed batsman for them in the last 12 months. And certainly he would be crucial going into the final stages of the tournament. And we all know that David Warner or Stephen Smith, if they come to form and if they come to the party, it's going to be tough for the bowlers to get them out. And uh, I think the things that looking bright for Australia because they've not performed well until now and there's a real chance that they could up their ante and then start performing better. If, if you're a fast bowler though and you've got Usman Khawaja at the other end, you just bang it in short and aim at his head, don't you? Because he just looks completely at sea when the ball's coming up at his nose. Because Adam Zampa doesn't seem to like English pitches. They're not doing anything for him. And Nathan Lyon, fantastic test match bowler. But I, I compare him a little bit with Yasser Shah for Pakistan. 
you know, great in the five-day format, but in the one-day format, maybe a bit one-dimensional to me. He doesn't have the mystery, he doesn't spin it both ways. I think we, we both see Australia in a very different light, Akash. In this World Cup, we have never, we have hardly seen spinners performing really well. And uh, that's been the case of the World Cup till date. And uh, I think in the later end, I might see that uh, Zampa might pick a few wickets and might be crucial. As of now, I think it's good signs for Australia that the bowling has, has been good and everybody has got wickets. So you see Stark performing, you see Cummins. Perform. Cummins has been consistently performing for them. And then you see Kane Richardson coming in and taking three and two wickets. So I think it's getting better for them. They're still not the side that they, they were in the past. And they certainly think that they have a chance going into the later stages. But uh, it all boils down to who handles situations better. Oh, are you convinced by Australia? Not entirely convinced yet that the the team that could go all the way and win it. But one thing I will say is it's been reassuring for them that sort of in, in three of their wins, they haven't even had to get out of second gear, really. Um, and, and they've managed to, to get the two points. But one thing I will say is they deserve a lot of credit. Sort of, as you mentioned, they've got some good individuals and, and they've got two in the top five in terms of top run scorers at the World Cup at the moment. They've got two bowlers in the top five in, in terms of most wickets in Stark and Cummings. They, they're, they're a team that has match win, winners in there and if they can get themselves into the semi-finals, it's a World Cup who in their sane mind is going gonna, is gonna to back against Australia. You know, it's just, it's their Mate. tournament. It's, it, it's what they do. Well, that's fine, but you do so at your peril. They've, they've proven <laughs> time and time again, but they, that they, for whatever reason, they, they have that aura about them that um, it is quite an intimidating fixture for whatever reason. And I just think that they, they've got quite a bit left in the tank. And I think that everybody's opinion of them will change if they were to go into those last three games, which, as you mentioned, are quite difficult, and they were to turn a couple of teams over. That would definitely get people talking and, and viewing them as a contender. But at, at the moment, you know, it's still India, then England for me in terms of favourites. I, I, I think you're right. And I think this this match against Bangladesh will be a real litmus test of where Australia are. You know, because Bangladesh are playing very well. They'll be full of confidence. I thought it was quite funny. I saw a couple of new newspaper articles where um, Kerry, the wicketkeeper, was saying their plan to play Bangladesh was to get Shakib out early. I've never thought of that myself. It's you know, interesting to try and target the, the best batsman on the opposition. But for Australia, Stark and Cummings are cashier crucial, aren't they? And the two guys that have had injury problems in the past, you would imagine that their bedroom in the team hotel is just cotton wool, cotton wool, cotton wool, wrap them up, keep them quiet, and uh, hopefully they can get through this World Cup unscathed. The, the physio department has much to do for the Australians as well. Mitchell Stark has always been injury prone and He's always been injured at the wrong time, and certainly Australia would not want him to see injured in the in the the next few games, and certainly would wrap him in cotton if not for for the best of tough to keep him safe from injuries. But but they would want him to perform consistently more and more, uh, so it's not entirely where we see the last his last spell where he comes and takes wickets, but also performs in the front. 10 overs where he is a genuine wicket taker. So that, that is something that Austria would be concerned at the moment. But if he starts performing well as we've seen in the past, uh, it should not be a huge concern. It's all water to still flow under that World Cup bridge and we'll see which way it disappears and down which channel. Let's move on to our regular questions of the week. We've obviously already cornered off the champagne moment which we've given to Owen Morgan with a disclaimer from Akash that Rohit Sharma needs a mention in dispatches for that fantastic square cut six. And let's talk about the, the batting then. I mean, we're going to go down the same route here but for me, 
that innings by Owen Morgan was the standout performance of the week. I, I, I can't see how we can go any different to that. The best batsman of this World Cup week has to be Owen Morgan, Akash, doesn't it? No, I wouldn't agree with you on this one because let's look at one batsman who we, we would not have expected to perform this well in this tournament and that is Shakib Alisson. I think he, his innings was genuinely a well-paced, well-timed and a genuine contender for a for the innings of the tournament and we, we would not have expected Shakib to perform this well as he has done and suddenly for me that would be the pick of this week. Oli? Yeah, it's going to gonna have to be Morgan just for that innings alone but I'll go with Akash as well. On, he, had, he mentioned Rohit Sharma in that square cut six. Rohit Sharma played a really good innings uh, in, in such a crucial game and the, and the way that he did it has sort of been true to form so far, far in this World Cup. He's having an amazing tournament as is Shakib. Just to be different, I guess, I will I will pick that Finch innings because I saw it firsthand, and I, I really like Finch from his time at Yorkshire. Even though he didn't do much, you, you sort of get a real sense when you're up close of just how much power he has. That was fantastic to watch how he moved up through the gears, and you know he he, he had no shortage of boundaries either. He had 15 fours and five sixes, which kind of pales in significance to the 17 that Owen hit, but. It was a really good innings, and he got over 150. He, I thought he was going to be the one to breach that 175 barrier, but for whatever reason, it seems to be cursed, and nobody wants to do it. But uh, yeah, just to be different, um, because I was there, I'll say it was Finchy. Let's have a look at the uh, the bowling then. Who has been the standout bowling performance of the week? We'll come straight back to you, Ollie, for that one. Yeah, there's no one one major major standout in terms of anybody getting six or seven wickets or anything like that. But I was pretty impressed with Imran here against against Afghanistan. He took four for 20. And you know, as as was mentioned a bit earlier, spin bowlers have struggled, especially the wrist spinners so far in this tournament. Um, if anything, they seem to have been getting wickets at the tail end. But Imran Tahir, it was a pretty pretty devastating spell. You know, I'd argue he's the best leg spinner at the tournament at the moment. Some might disagree, but when he when he's on form, he's very very difficult to get away. Uh, very difficult to play, and um, and he, he takes quite a lot of wickets. So uh, yeah, I'll go with that. But obviously, Chris Morris deserves a mention. He took three for thirteen off six or seven overs, and and Jofra Archer got a couple of threefers as well. But yeah, I'll go with him, Manta here. Him out here is a lovely fella. He, when he came to Yorkshire, he played one county championship game for Yorkshire. Him and Inzaman came over yeah, from Pakistan. And I interviewed him around, and he's very quiet, unassuming fella. It was a hard interview because he didn't really say a lot, but really nice fella. He had, he had I think, one for 150-something. It wasn't the best of performances that uh, you know, on a debut and was dismissed by a lot of the Yorkshire crowd and the Yorkshire forums that he read in terms of, oh, well, he's rubbish, we ought to see him again. And then he's had about six counties since. He's been in every single franchise competition. He's ended up nationalising and playing for South Africa and had a stellar career. So I'm, I'm really pleased for him that it's going well. It's just that the team's not gone quite the same way as his career has gone. Akash, for you, the bowler of the week? I think I've, I'd love to juggle between uh, two candidates and uh, my pick this time would be Kuldeep Yadav. Just for the fact that he bowled that excellent delivery to get barbarism out at that crucial juncture of the match and we could never see a Pakistan comeback after that so my pick for the week would be Kuldeep Yadav for just that one delivery. We've all gone different this week because I'm going to go Mohammed Amir because despite the fact that Pakistan were always up against it against India the fact that he he took um, the wickets that he did and bowled really well he's having a great tournament as well Mohammed Amir been a standout seam bowler while some of the other seamers in that Pakistan lineup have been expensive he's just been on the money from the off and had a had a superb tournament um, another person to mention you, you mentioned him Ollie Jofra Archer he was the first Englishman to take three three wicket hauls in a World Cup he's now the first Englishman to also take four three wicket hauls in a World Cup he's just 
supremely consistent, always on the money, very clever bowler as well, and obviously rather nippy too, combining very well with uh, Mark Wood. And just a little word for my little Yorkshire leggy friend, Adil Rashid, um, lovely little fella. I thought against Afghanistan, you know, he bowled a terrible full toss and he got um, a wicket out at the mid-wicket boundary. Not the best ball he'll ever bowl. Certainly not the best bowler he'll ever take a wicket with. But he's been a bit unlucky. He's hit the zinc bales and not pulling off. He's had a couple, two or three catches dropped off him. And I think that, that wicket gets him underway now. He bowled very well after that. I think he finished with three wickets in that game against Afghanistan. And if you actually, if you actually watched him, he wasn't firing it in. He was giving it a real big loop and a real big rip. And he was getting a lot of turn towards the end of that match at Old Trafford. I think that bodes well for England in the spin department. Abdul Rashid might just be starting to fire in this World Cup. And as I said before, it's not how you start the World Cup, it's how you finish it. And hopefully Abdul will come through and take a, a shared load of wickets for England now. Not that I'm biased as a badger in this uh, badger podcast. <laughs> the listeners to the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast have gone up by 580% in the last 12 months. Thank you so much for all of your support for the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. And if you want to advertise on the show, well, of course you can. You're more than welcome to play your part as the podcast goes from strength to strength. We get in front of a lot of people out there. It's a real opportunity for you to put your business in front of the cricket world. Get in touch with us, cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Become part of the Cricket Badger family. Let's move on then to our predictions. And it saddens me to say this. I'll read out the scores after the, uh, the last week. 143.42 units with Ollie. He's leading the line. Akash is in second with 111.1. And James, myself, 107.32. So there's not a lot between myself and Akash in second place. But Ollie's starting to get a little bit of a, a shift on in first. But we've only just got past the halfway stage. So there's time for myself and Akash to, to fly back into the reckoning. And of course, we've got our pre-tournament picks as well, which might yield some money yet for myself and Akash and bring us back into the frame. Looking down the, the list that we had, we all picked Australia. They beat Pakistan. The no result between India and New Zealand. It's sad that I wasn't played that game because I think that would have been quite interesting, but that was a no results. Nothing came from that. Ollie and James both picked England, picked up the points, whereas Akash went with West Indies. We all picked Australia to beat Sri Lanka, so we all picked up points there. South Africa was our pick against Afghanistan, although I picked Afghanistan to cause a surprise, so I've fallen a little bit behind in that one. And we all took India to beat Pakistan, which obviously happened. And Bangladesh, though, was myself and Akash's pick to beat the West Indies. And I joked that one up, so I made a little bit of profit on that one because Bangladesh had been playing well, as we've said. England, obviously, against Afghanistan was our pick across the board in that. No, actually, I went for Afghanistan to cause a surprise at Old Trafford because of the price play, 8-1, to one, and it didn't work. The value Shock was there. It, well, it wasn't a shock. I went, I went, I'm trying to haul you back in, aren't I? I'm playing a tactical competitive game. And then today, Ollie, this is uh, you know, a genius first pick of the Joker for you. You've used one so far. Myself and Akash have used two of our five. You went for New Zealand to win today at very nice odds of 9 to 10. And obviously the, uh, the South African amongst us, Akash, he failed to pick up a point. So at the moment, Ollie, you are flying in this tournament. We'll see what the next week brings. And we'll start off with that game that we've spoken about Already between Australia and Bangladesh, Australia are incredibly short, one to six. Bangladesh are four to one. Start with you, Akash. Really tough game between Australia and Bangladesh, given given the conditions at Nottingham. But if it swings in the first few overs, it has to go Australia's way. And certainly, I think it might swing in the first few overs, and uh, that that would tilt the uh, game in Australia's favour. But it's going to be a really close contest. 
Bangladesh have performed really well. I'm going to go next. I've, I've written this one up for a betting company, and I've gone with Bangladesh to cause an upset here. Again, because of the price. I think 4-1, to one, and it's actually bigger than the, the bookmaker that I looked at, but 4-1 for Bangladesh, who have played really good cricket in this tournament, whose tails are up against an Australian team. As I say, I'm not convinced by yet in this World Cup. 1-6 to six is far too short on the Australians, so I'm going to go with Bangladesh at fours. 4-1 is a really, really good price. Um, like you said, Bangladesh have been playing really well in this tournament, but I, I'm going to pick Australia. I want my stake back, uh, regardless of if it's bad odds. I think Trent Bridge has played a little bit weird so far in this World Cup, but I think that I think that, that will actually work in Australia's favour, to be fair. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Australia have, have sort of kept quite a bit in the tank after their first five games, whereas Bangladesh have been sort of playing at 100% all the way through so I'm going to go with Australia I think if I was taking a tenner into a bookmaker's there's no way I'd back Australia at 1-6 to six with my no tenor. no no it would have to be absolutely yeah, not it would have to be Bangladesh to take the value but as we're playing this competition um, I can see where you're taking Australia but I'm going with Bangladesh as I say in that game England on Friday take on Sri Lanka and again Sri Lanka big in this market 6-1 to one for them against England's 1-10 to ten with Paddy Power I'm going to go with this one first and I've just been saying you, know, you take the value it's too big a price I just don't think Sri Lanka win another game in this tournament I think this is England the way England have got their tails up at the moment as long as they're not complacent ahead of this game I don't think they will be that 1-10 to 10 will land and like you just said there Ollie, I'll take my fiver back take my little bit of profit and move on to the next game Akash I want to risk on Sri Lanka in this game because I think England might risk a few people for this game given that they're in a comfortable position at the top so probably they might rest a few people for the for the next half of the tournament. So we might see Sri Lanka edging it. But it can be in one side contest as well, but never know. Interesting point, that Oli. Do you, do you think that's going to happen? I mean, looking at the tables, we said that Tinker's creep, creep through with maybe five wins, but six would guarantee you it. I think England will see this one as an important one to continue their momentum and to get another win on the board and get that bit closer to cementing that semi-final place, knowing, as you said, that the last three games are not necessarily easy in this competition. I think Ash Cash makes a good point. I think I think there might be a bit of rotation going into this game. I think we'll see sort of the likes of Plunkett come in. I think I think Vince will keep his place in the team. We might even see Dawson. There. You know, it's those last three group games that are going to be a real sort of uh, fine-tuning period for, for England going into the semi-finals. I think the point is, even if we do rest a few players for the Sri Lanka game, it should be enough, the team that we put out, to, to beat Sri Lanka, who pretty much out, as we've mentioned, and probably won't win another game. You know, it's at Headingley where we uh, we put on a really good show against Pakistan not too long ago. Don't completely rule Sri Lanka out for this one because they have beaten us at Headingley in the past. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with England and, and be a bit boring, but I, I want my stake back. Different look Sri Lanka though for me, and this is a different kind of England. And yeah. I, I see what you're saying about uh, ringing the changes, but for me, you keep a winning team, you keep that momentum, you keep that confidence going through the rest of this World Cup as much as you possibly can let's go to Saturday we've got two games on Saturday the first of which is Afghanistan my boys an 8-1 to one against India who are 1-20 to 20. that's the shortest price we've encountered so far India to beat Afghanistan Akash yeah certainly I think this is going to be uh, it's going to go one way it's going to be experience over aggression and India are going to go home and going to really really perform well against Afghanistan might see some changes but uh, I think it's, it's a close out game for India and Oli, um, Afghanistan 8-1, it's got to be your pick, isn't it? 
I'm, yeah, I'm picking India. I've backed Afghanistan where I can on this uh, podcast so far, but I'm not going to back them against India. India <laughs> 1-20 to for me as well. Uh, New Zealand against the West Indies is the second game on Saturday. Uh, New Zealand are 8-11. to The West Indies are 11-10. to I'll go first on this one. It's got to be the Kiwis. I think the Kiwis are one of the most underestimated teams in this World Cup. I noticed as I was looking down the list at the start of, uh, as I was preparing for today, I was the only person of of us three that took New Zealand to get into the semi-finals I could see them actually going all the way and causing an upset everybody's talking about England and India New Zealand is just going about the business winning games got some very good teams a really balanced side they'll have too much for the West Indies 8-11 to 11 for me I agree with you on this one James I think it's going to go New Zealand's way for the reason that West Indies have been a pretty much one-dimensional side you know that the bowling attack is going to bounce the opposition and if they're not going to get out and they, they don't have a secondary option to pick wickets and that, that has been the case this World Cup and certainly that's going to be the trend for this game as well. They're going to bounce the New Zealand batsmen and if they can't get them out, I think it's going to go New Zealand. Are you going to make it three for the Kiwis, Oli? I am and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back them with the joker again. I like the price on that. I think West Indies are just starting to slide away a little bit which, which is unfortunate because I think if they were still in it at this point then it'd be, you know, it'd be really exciting viewing for the last few games but I've been really impressed with New Zealand as a unit. You know, Williamson aside, there's no absolute superstars in that team but you've got so many players that can, that can chip in with, with useful innings and, and the bowling attack so far you know, with Bolt, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, uh, DeGrandon, Santner, it's, it's just been fantastic to watch them to be honest and like you say you, you can't really rule them out in terms of being the upset team to go all the way although of course they did get to the to the final in 2015. Yeah it wouldn't be that much of an upset to me I think that the New Zealanders play very good one day cricket and the only, the only thing that would be at the back of my mind in any game now featuring West Indies is you feel there's going to be one day where suddenly Chris Gale thinks right Goodbye World Cup. Here's a 200 for you. Yeah, you know, if it's if it's the game that you pick, then it's just good lucky, isn't it? Because uh, and it'd be nice to see. I'd, I'd like to see it happen. Chris Gale and Andre Russell suddenly start smacking sixes everywhere. That would not be a bad thing for the World Cup. And let's move on to Sunday. One game on Sunday: Pakistan against South Africa. I wonder where Akash's money is going to go here. Pakistan are 11 to eight. South Africa are four to seven the favourites to beat the Pakistanis. Are you with your boys? I think I would go with South Africa on this one, but the odds are not not entirely I mean good on this one, but uh, I would still back South Africa to do a I mean a good performance, not the one they did against uh, New Zealand, but a really good performance all round. I'm going to play a joker on this, and I'm going to play my joker on 11-8 to 8 for Pakistan, because I know they've been disappointing at times, I know they're towards the bottom end of the table, but I think that camp knows they've got a lot to prove. South Africa are not that great a side, and 11-8 for me is worth having a bit of a punt on, with a joker, double stakes on Pakistan, to just prove a few people wrong. I, I like that call. I think, I think the odds mean that it's, it's a good game to play a joker on. I'm not going to do it, um, but I'm also going to back Pakistan on this, purely because I think, I think they, they, have the, they have the potential to string one more good game together, whereas I think South Africa look utterly dejected at this point, regardless of how close today's game was. It's just, it's just not going for them at all. Pakistan, if their bowlers show up, if they were to bowl first, restrict South Africa to a, to a lowish score, and yeah, it could be their day. So I'm going to go with Pakistan. The, the other thing about South Africa is that in today's game, they knew that if they won, they still had a little bit of a sniff of still making the semi-finals. That's all gone now. So they know they're dead in the water. And you wonder what changes they might make to their team too. So it'll be interesting to see how South Africa cope with the running to the end of this tournament because they know that they're pretty much on the plane in terms of uh, the competition. On Monday, 
interesting game, this Afghanistan against Bangladesh, because it's two kind of like-minded sides, really, in terms of their style of play. You'd expect Bangladesh, though. They're 1-4 to four to win this game. 11-4 to four for Afghanistan. So start with you, Ollie, on this one. Where are you going to go? The odds are great for a reason. Bangladesh are winning this. Um, it's just not been a good tournament for Afghanistan for all the reasons that we mentioned earlier. I think they'll just be wanting to get on that plane home, to be honest. Although, you know, they might want to show that they deserve to be here. They might, they might want to call it, and like you said, they, they match up pretty well, these two teams, in terms of the, the strategy and the way they go about things. But I think Bangladesh just, just have that experience, and they, they have the momentum. They're playing some really good cricket, so I, I think it'll be Bangladesh. I'd go with Afghanistan on this one just because the odds are tempting. And I think Afghanistan have got it in them to certainly get one victory over the course of this entire World Cup, and certainly I think this game would be that. Oh, Akash, you've, you've done it now, haven't you? Ah. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I want to back Afghanistan, but I'm also thinking that if me and you both back Afghanistan and Bangladesh win, then Ollie's just going to be smug for the rest of this World Cup. <laughs> I'm going to go Afghanistan. I'm going with you, Akash. Let, let's, yeah, let's get the Afghanis a win in this World Cup against Bangladesh. I, I wonder, you know, if all of this stuff in the last week, this is kind of the reasoning behind this, and it might be completely off the mark, but if Phil Simmons kind of galvanises that dressing room and says, look, they're all against us now, let's go out there and show them what we can do. That might be the game where they get the points on the board. Let's move on then to Tuesday. England back in action against the old foes, the Ashes foes, Australia. This is a biggie in terms of this tournament. 8-11 to 11 for England. The Australians are 11-10. to 10. Who should go first with this one? Akash, let's go with you. It seems tough. It, it always seems tough when England and Australia are playing against each other. Uh, English conditions, England. But I am going with Australia this time. Just to be different on this panel, I'll go with Australia. Yeah, I, I hate this. Um, it's, it's England, Australia. It's at Lords. And Australia's record at Lords doesn't really need an awful lot of explanation from our point of view. I just think that England will be so motivated going into that last, last three group games to, to prove a point and to do it against the old enemy. I'm going to go with England. I'm going to go with my heart on this one and say that, that, that we'll do them. I'm with England as well on that one. I'll take the first pick on the last game. Then Wednesday next week sees New Zealand taking on Pakistan. New Zealand are 4-7, to seven, Pakistan are 11-8. to eight. And for me, it's the Kiwis. I think the Kiwis are going to beat the Pakistanis. And uh, for all the reasons we've already said, consistency, Kane Williamson, a very, very good captain indeed. So New Zealand, go in the book for me. Ollie, you next. I'm, I'm backing my New Zealand boys again on this one. And, you know, that price isn't too bad considering, you know, New Zealand yeah. are in, in really, really good form. And Pakistan will be eliminated by then so um, yeah it's, it's New Zealand and, and I don't think that it's a, a bad pick to use a joke on that. and Akash you're, you've got the final pick of this week's podcast are you going to go New Zealand or Pakistan I'm going to go the alternate way and I think it's going to be Pakistan and I'm going to play joker on Pakistan for them to win this game I certainly think they have the bowling attack to to spring a surprise, but uh, I think I think it would come in this game where New Zealand would be complacent in the first ten overs. Well, that concludes our predictions for the next week of the Cricket World Cup, and I've just added them up. We've all played three jokers now. We've all played the same amount of jokers because Ollie's gone joker mad in this uh, week four of our weekly Cricket Badger podcast for the Cricket World Cup 2019. Ollie and Akash, it's been a pleasure as always to have you on. Thank, Thank you very you much. And uh, if you're following us with any of the tips back home with Paddy Power, then gamble responsibly. Don't lose your house on this World Cup. Gamble for enjoying it. And enjoy the week ahead in the Cricket World Cup. Myself, Ollie and Akash will be back with you for our fifth edition. And we've seen who wins the matches we've just predicted. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.
Social Podcast Network.